So I have to say, after reading the outline for today's episode, it's a, uh, it's pretty gay. It's a, it's a little, <laughs> little gay. We are going to be talking about the LGBTQ community as well as the Florida's don't say gay bill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is episode number three of You Can't Handle the Truther, which is the sister to the webzine Indie Truther, which you can find at IndieTruther.com. Um, as usual, I'm your host Anton Sawyer, and with me, as always, is my sidekick. I'm Nicole West. Yes, and today's discussion, uh, we like to have it tied to one of our articles over at IndieTruther.com, and so today's article is loosely based on uh, the Indie Truther article called Hypocrisy, How the GOP is Using Pro-Transgender Arguments to Combat Vaccines. Uh, so if you want to go over there and get that up and kind of uh, play along, that would be perfect. Um, but not just that, throughout this episode, there's going to be a few different things that we're going to look at. Um, we are going to be looking at, uh, first off, my experiences living in Wyoming and liking to do shocking and offensive things, uh, which translated out to a lot of homophobic slurs and things that came my way. And then, of course, on the flip side of that, we have Nicole. And I'm going to be talking about my religious upbringings in Utah, another cons very conservative state, and being a member of the LGBTQ community. I am one of them gays. Ooh, yeah, and it's so when you're when you are either appear gay or are gay in places like Utah and Wyoming, it, it does not make for a friendly way of life. And so we're going to kind of expand on that, and then go into the article and, and go a little bit more in depth as far as that's concerned. And go into a little bit more detail of the "Don't Say Gay" bill it, that had passed in Florida. It is very harmful, and we really think that that needs some some discussion. Yeah. So if you are have any interest in the LGBTQ community and also the things that are currently impacting them then this is uh, this is one that you want to stick around for but before we get into that I have to do the the advertisement which is brought uh, to you by both me and indirectly Prager University or Prager U as many knows them by we have on our website at indietruther.com if you go there and search there is a section called debunking Prager U courses and it is a series uh, that is um, bi-weekly at this point, so a new one comes out every two weeks. And they all look at a different lesson that is brought by PragerU. For example, uh, in lesson 12, I learned that you can talk for five minutes and say absolutely nothing. And the title of that course is, Why Are So Many Americans in Prison? It never gets answered, except maybe that all the needed bad people are behind bars and should stay there, you know, forever. Now, it is important to remember while reading this that I, Anton Sawyer, only have but a high school diploma. Not only that, the diploma is from Rock Springs High School in Rock Springs, Wyoming. And this state is not known to be, uh, you know, on the top five list of educational places in America. It just isn't. So given these lowly credentials, any place that calls itself a university, such as Prager, should at the very least have the same knowledge and access to information that I do. And that's what this series is about. As I mentioned, each article breaks down a different PragerU course and points out their deception through facts and statistics. Um, it's something definitely check out. And also, although we are just a mere weeks away from superstardom, every little bit and every little donation at this point counts. So if you feel so inclined to donate, 
to our cause, you can do so by visiting our coffee page, and that's spelled ko-fi.com, coffee.com slash truther and buy us a coffee. We would really appreciate it. So my beginnings um, with LGBTQ community, um, they're not as in-depth as Nicole's, um, but I think that because of the time frame and the circumstances surrounding everything and how times have changed since then, um, it's, it's really interesting when you look back at it because uh, I was a teenager in the 90s uh, in Wyoming. And Wyoming is the cowboy state. Like that, that's something immediately you have to know if you don't know your Wyoming cultural history, which I'm, I'm sure not many of you do, that uh, yeah, it is the cowboy state and it is that for a reason. Like this place really prides itself on turning the, the hands back on time. They and, don't like to keep up with the times? Uh, well, it, it's not necessarily that. I mean, there, there's some interesting things about Wyoming, like one of my favorite football players of the Cincinnati Bengals, Logan Wilson. Oh, he graduated from the University of Wyoming, didn't he? Yes, yes. And speaking of University of Wyoming, another thing that'll give you some background to the state, I had a friend in high school that got a full four-year ride scholarship to the University of Wyoming for horseback riding. Oh my gosh, I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, you can scholar, you can get a scholarship in rodeo. That's amazing. In Wyoming. I, I don't know if it's amazing, but like it, it, <laughs> it is a thing. So that should give I you an idea. It sets a tone. Yeah, it sets a tone. You're dealing with the cowboy state. So I was first introduced to the LGBTQ community when I was 14, when I saw the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Such a good movie. I love it. And it was in Wyoming. And at that time, I was listening to a lot of shock rock, like Kiss and Alice Cooper and Wasp and all of that. And I, I really liked irritating people, especially things that I thought were character flaws, like bigotry. Like to me, hating bigotry of any kind is really just—it's a character flaw. It's a weakness. It is definitely a weakness. And me, being the kind of teenager that I was, especially when drugs became involved, I, I thought it was hilarious to get under the skin. And it was so easy, too, because with the Cowboys, you could do anything. And I found wearing nail polish to school. Something as simple as nail polish would uh, work them up? Yeah, and it wasn't, uh, but then again, it wasn't black. I'd wear, like, hot pink oh, mixed with <laughs> mixed with orange. Like, I, yeah, it, it was not, like, a dark color. It was meant to draw attention specifically. <laughs> And in fact, though, because of how conservative the place is, because of the wearing nail polish, I got kicked off of the debate team. For wearing nail polish, you were kicked off the debate team? Yeah. Um, we had a meet coming up like in three weeks and two weeks in, I started, they told me to stop. I said no. And yeah, before the meet, I you know, wasn't. Now sticking to your guns. <sighs> I, I mean, it, I just thought it was so stupid. I'm like, you're gonna kick me off of the team for nail polish specifically. It was had just, nothing to do with your skills as a debater. Well, it, no, it had nothing to do with that. It was just all about appearances. And and I, the one thing I guess they could say in their defense is the two years that I went there, they took state, all state and debate. Oh wow, so they had a reputation to uphold. Yeah, they they wore suits. They like they yeah. Couldn't have this little rambunctious fella wearing nail polish tarnishing their good name. No, this 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 hooligan. Yeah, no. This that's... little hooligan. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, with the with that though, with the nail polish though, came like I was called every slur you can imagine. Now keep in mind, I had a girlfriend, and that was known throughout school. Like it was known that I was dating 
uh, this this girl, and yet still the homophobic slurs just came left and right, left and right. This only amplified though when my girlfriend got pregnant um, and we decided to adopt to a gay couple. And I'd mentioned this in the last episode, and one of the reasons we, we wanted to go that route with two men specifically is because you know, the mind is like a parachute. It can't work if it isn't open. Exactly. I love that metaphor. Yeah, and uh, thanks, Frank Zappa. That is a great, great metaphor. Uh, and so we looked for that specifically just for the reason that we wanted the child to be raised with an open mind. And in the late 90s during that, I mean, the tides were starting to shift. You know, gay marriage was allowed, or not gay marriage, but uh, gay adoption was allowed in California. That's where we went through. And so things were starting to shift, and we kind of wanted to... Not, not be pioneers or on the forefront or anything like that. Because you wanted to put your money where your mouth was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what we wanted to do, and we felt that her being raised in that environment would be more conducive to having an open mind. Um, and that's really because Wyoming at the time had a uh, Rock Springs had a population of twenty thousand. Word traveled fast once this got out. Oh yeah, the whole town was talking about you guys adopting to the gay couple in oh. California. <laughs> oh yeah, and that uh, uh, that's one of the reasons why as well I refuse to live in a city of a population less than a million. Because having been in small towns like Roosevelt, Utah and Rock Springs, Wyoming, word goes everywhere immediately. There's almost no privacy. No, no, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's horrible and I just absolutely hate it. And so the slurs, the threats, like I was threatened to have my ass kicked on the daily. Like and and they liked telling like it was it wasn't just like they liked the thought of doing it but they really liked telling me. Oh my gosh! Just for your nail polish, just and your and, extravagant uh, wardrobe, and the adoption, and the adoption. Yeah, once the adoption came, that's when the, it broke loose, and I I got my diploma, but I left school on really dubious terms, and it once I got out of that environment, it kind of lessened because my friends, they didn't care, you know, they they knew the the situation, but. Um, the one thing that I will say, looking back from then until now, especially knowing the history of Wyoming and having friends there, when Brokeback Mountain came out, it was there was there was a level of redemption. I'm not even gonna lie, because it's it's For a great. You? Oh well, yeah, it's a great movie, but because it was set in Wyoming, the Wyoming cowboys they were the ones that were getting teased. They were oh, the... Oh, how the tables have turned. Oh, oh, they did. Oh, once that movie came out, they definitely did. And the cowboy, if you're a cowboy in Wyoming during that time, you got just relentless hell. And and the thing that... And this is the thing that's that's so interesting about the history of Wyoming as well, is that that's also where, if you know your LGBTQ history, the Matthew Shepard murders took place. Oh, that's right. That was in Wyoming. Yeah. And what's really sick, and we kind of covered this also on IndieTruther.com, is there is an article um, that we have that's specifically called Utah and Wyoming, uh, the gross misuse of hate crime laws. And in it, you'll find out that even though the Matthew Shepard murders took place in Wyoming, and they were, it was the murder that really kind of brought on national attention to hate crime and hate crime legislation, still to this day, there is not a hate crime law in Wyoming on the books. They don't have any hate crime laws on the books. No, they were the, they were the state that was synonymous with the murder that set off a national wave of hate crime legislation, yet they have absolutely none at all. 
Oh, I, I have no words. So my experiences, I mean, they, they sound somewhat horrific, and I guess they were, but uh, we're going to focus, I'm going to switch over to Nicole now, because her situation begins from moment one out of the womb. <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah, from second one, it was a religion. It was Utah. It was a pre. Like I, I will let you take over. So, so kind of let's start out with how you kind of knew that you had homosexual tendencies or gay tendencies, and, and tell it kind of set 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 the table. Set the table. Okay. So, like Anton had mentioned, like I was born and raised very conservative state, very conservative family. When the words Salt Lake City come to mind, most people associate that with the Mormons. And yes, I grew up as one of them Mormons. I was born and raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I, you know, went to church every Sunday. You know, we had the whole the whole nine. We were very, uh, quote unquote, devout. Sunday school, the whole nine, Sunday like all school, of it. Sunday school, yeah, the primary classes, the little, uh, I can't remember what the activities were called, but you know. Well, it was called Achievement Days, and then they changed it to Activity Days. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we did we did the whole thing. But even from almost just as young, um, I started realizing, okay, maybe I'm not that into boys. Mm. Um, so I was born in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, in the mid-90s, there were a couple films that were released that kind of piqued my... Uh, your awakening. I, I guess you can call it an awakening, but um, the first was Space Jam of all movies. I was very intrigued with Lola Bunny. Um, the second was Hercules. I was very intrigued with Meg. I don't know what it was about these two characters, but I didn't know if I wanted to be them or if I wanted to be... I, I don't know, but those two characters intrigued me when I was my young little five-year-old mind more than any other character, male, female, anything. I just was very, very intrigued by those. And Meg, I mean, I've seen Hercules. She's, yeah, she's, she is attractive. So. For, a, for a cartoon character, she's well, yeah. pretty cute, right? Well, yeah. And I noticed at five years old, I had never thought that a male character was cute, mm-hmm. ever, in any movies. I had like, you know, crushes in my kindergarten class, but yeah. I, just because, you know, it was almost like expected. Like, people would ask, oh, what what boy do you have a crush on? So it's almost like you have to answer. That specifically. Yeah. And so you were, you were intrigued at this point. When did, now, and that's kind of happening, And but when did you, when did it start to solidify, I guess you could say? So I kept having these quote-unquote crushes on, on, on girls, right? But those of you who are familiar with your Mormon history... Um, or even not even history, just Mormonism in general, know that uh, when you are eight years old, you um, have a baptism. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I was eight years old, and I did not want to get baptized. I didn't want to get baptized. I was the only eight-year-old in my class that was not baptized. Um, you know, part of, there's some different things happening, but part of it was because I... I was having, you know, these attraction to these these ladies. That's not right. Yeah. But then um, I was nine years old when I finally did get baptized. I quote unquote made the decision to be baptized, and 
So just when you say you, you made this, because see, that's you have much more experience with the, the Mormon church than I do because, uh, yeah, I was a member. If you if you live in Utah for an extended period of time, you are you're gonna you're gonna it's dabble in it. Yeah, it's you're unavoidable. Yeah, you're gonna dabble in it. And so like the missionaries came to me, and I was a member for a couple years, and I went to seminary for a couple years, and I I was gonna go on a mission. But you really so you got baptized at nine, and even that was considered late because of I your. I was definitely yeah. considered late, like. I, I was like bullied for not being baptized. Like when wow. I was like eight years old, I would get teased for not being baptized. So you have that. So you have these people, your peer group, that are pressuring you and teasing you. You have these adults, and you feel like you look or disappointed them somehow. And then these feelings yeah. are also coming in at the same time. Yeah. So when I was nine and I finally got baptized, I'm thinking, okay, I'm. This is the. They they tell you that's like when you're baptized, all of your sins are washed away. Mm -hmm. So that is the one moment in your life that you are actually perfect. Okay. That's what they tell you. You are perfect right after baptism. And in order to remain, quote unquote, perfect in God's eyes, you have to repent with every every sin, right? So mm. here I am, this nine-year-old, thinking these characters, these people are cute. You know, girls at school, I'm starting to be like, okay, they're kind of cute. But, you know, because I we had such deep-seated, like, homophobia, like, just drilled into us being in the Mormon church. I was just trying to tell myself, well, I just think that they're... They're, I think they're cute because I want to be, I want to look like them. Mm. But that's... So you start changing, like, so in your mind, you're actually changing what your potential justification is for having this intrigue or attraction. Yeah, because it wasn't allowed. You, you're pretty much told from day one, being gay is one of the mm -hmm. um, worst sins you can do, and you will not live, they tell, they like scare you. You won't live with your family for eternity. Your family will go on to the celestial kingdom of heaven, and because you're gay, you will not be able to be with God and Jesus and your family in the afterlife. Wow. And so as a child, you're, I'm, I, was, I was scared shitless, for lack of a better term. That, that gives, was, yeah, you get an existential crisis by, by age crisis nine. Yeah. Because you're guilted into behaving and acting a certain way out of fear of what's going to happen when you die. So let's fast forward a few years. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, let's, let's go on, yeah. <laughs> let's fast forward a few years. I'm like 12, 13, you know, I'm in middle school. And um, when I was in middle school, I know you had like the goth scene when when you were in middle school, high school. When I was in middle school, it was um, it was when the emo scene was really starting to, really starting to unfold in the mid 2000s, early to yeah. mid 2000s. Um, <laughs> where I guess you could say like gender lines were, I wouldn't say getting blurred, but like the boys all had long hair, skinny oh, yeah. jeans, they wore eyeliner, the nail polish, and I was living for it. I was here for it. That androgyny, mwah. Uh, okay, I should probably preface this. I'm a pansexual, so I'm, I, I call myself gay, queer, whatever, but my actual label is a pansexual, so I was here for the androgyny. I loved it. Um, but it was around that same time where I got my first girlfriend. Mm. I got my first girlfriend, um, and I did not tell my parents. I didn't tell them. They just thought that we were really good friends. Um, but I, I, cause I was so scared of the backlash. You're not allowed to be yourself. You're not allowed to be yourself when you grow up in an extraordinary religious household and community because everybody in the Mormon church, they're all about keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Oh, so-and-so has a, has a queer kid. Oh, and then the whole family gets treated differently. Right. So I was, you know, being noble. And I'm like, if I don't tell my family, then obviously I just was 
a terrified teenager that didn't want to come out, but <laughs> so I had these girlfriends and I, my, the bishop, my, one of my best friend's dad was in the bishopric and he saw me kissing one of, one oh. of the girls after school. Caught red-handed. caught red-handed. Oh no. But, you know, I will have to get, I will give him this. He did not out me to my parents. Good. He saw, but what did happen? So uh, again, if you're familiar with the Mormon church, you're familiar with the, the worthiness interviews. You have to have an interview with a bishop or the member of the bishopric to prove your worthiness per se, so you can get a temple recommend. Do so baptisms can, for the dead and yeah, things like that. Yeah, go to the that. temple yeah. and do temple work. Yeah. Do baptisms for the dead and things like that. So I got pulled into an impromptu Mm. impromptu worthiness interview with my best friend's dad. So he knew me. He knew me for years. He knew me pretty much my whole life. Mm. And he asks me about kissing this girl, about have we done things more than kissing? Have we touched each other? Now you've got to keep in mind that this is accepted behavior. If you speak to a bishop, um, then you are required to uh, talk openly about this with them. Yeah, it's... an. And growing up and since leaving the Mormon church, um, I've realized just how toxic that mentality is. It's yeah. having a child, essentially. I was like, I was thir 12, 13, like I was little, yeah. talking to a grown man about things of a sexual nature. Yeah. It's just looking back on it, I don't know how or why that's acceptable, but when you're in the Mormon church, that's just a normal part of life. That's just... You go to your worthiness interview, you do it, your brother does it, your mom does it, your dad does it, everybody does it. It's a one-on-one, -on -one, very intimate, personal conversation with a grown man in your neighborhood. Wow. But anyway, so he's asking me all these questions about kissing girls, whether um, we've touched each other, whether it was under the clothes, on uh, top of the clothes. You know, he's asking me all this stuff and it's... You know, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. I'm just like, oh, you know, we're, we're just friends. We were just joking, playing truth or dare, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I didn't want to be like, oh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I really like girls. And guess what? We touch each other. You know, I didn't want to say that <laughs> to my best friend's dad. because <laughs> That's weird. Like, okay, see you next weekend, brother, whoever. Oh, and, that's so creepy. Um, yeah, it's you no ordered good. pizza for our sleepover next week. You know, like, I don't want to, like, it's just awkward. So. What's really interesting about that entire situation, though, is how your situation, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted you to go on. Uh, a little bit later on is to keep it fresh in the minds of everyone because a lot of the the situations and circumstances you dealt with have to do with what's happening with the don't say gay laws in Florida. When I was hearing about these don't say gay laws, I immediately was thinking back to my my upbringing in Utah, where it seems like the hands of time have just been turned backwards a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so if you're not familiar with the Florida law, what it does is it basically bans instruction on classroom discussion about LGBTQ issues for kindergarten through third grade. Um, it uh, empowers parents to sue the school district over teachings they don't like. And it also requires schools to tell parents when their child receives mental health services. So I want to break down each one of these kind of individually a little bit and kind of tie it back to because you had these experiences where Florida, I mean, although not not Mormon for sure, does have a very, very, very conservative edge to it. And so when you look and you break down the law, it's I, I mean, in the first section, it's kind of um, about it banning instruction or classroom discussion about the LGBTQ issues for kindergarten through third grade. One of the side effects that has to do 
um, with that 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 may be unintended is uh, the first thing to keep in mind with all of these sections is they're written two out of the three are written in an incredibly vague manner oh it's extraordinarily vague and so that because of the vagueness you could really kind of pump in anything or like for example with this okay your sex ed is not being taught to kindergartners it's not being taught to first or second graders but because of the fact that you're not allowed to discuss those matters, whether you are a teacher who is married to someone or someone in the classroom has two of the same sex parents, it's gonna cause issues. Well, there was that teacher in Florida who um, the parents were calling for consequences to happen, to, uh, whatever consequences may be, because he had mentioned his husband in class. But the thing is, is he was a sixth grade teacher. The law does say kindergarten through third grade. So the fact that he was a sixth grade teacher who just mentioned his husband and the parents are all up in arms about it. That shows what, that shows the drive behind this. That was one of the first um, uh, cases that helped kind of spur this law on. And, and when you look at it, there have been other teachers, kindergarten teachers that have come out. There have been second grade teachers that say, okay, well, I have a partner. If a student asks me about them, am I allowed to say anything? Yeah, if they say, oh, what did you do this weekend? You're not allowed to say, oh, me and my partner went to the movies. Like, you have to pretend like your partner doesn't exist while you're in the classroom. Yeah, so But the straight teachers don't have to do that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is it, it it makes it so there's such a gray line there that it, it leaves out enough room for vagueness to where it can be interpreted like the Bible. It can be interpreted in almost any way. <laughs> any way to fit your own narrative. Yeah, yeah. Just take be like, well, he talked about his husband and they're first graders, so we and it just it, it's too vague. It's written in such a vague fashion that you can really plug and play as far as that's anything. almost the point. I think just so you can use it as your as your Will. So the second section is it empowers parents to sue the school district over teachings they don't like. And, and the districts are going to have to pay for it. Yeah, the districts are going to have to pay for it. Um, they, it's also going to include book, it's also going to include book purgings. Um, it's book purgings have been happening for a while, but I really think it's just going to amp like just really ramp up. Yeah, and the fact that they can sue the school district. So if a teacher is talking about their partner again because of the vagueness, it can be interpreted in such a way as to where the parent, if they're offended enough, they could sue the school and have a valid case now. That is so wrong. It really feels like we are turning back the hands of time. And, and what kills me is since COVID started, the backlog on court cases is just insane. And so to add the ability to throw more into the mix is just going to bog down the system either further. And, well, and, and anywhere else, that would just be thrown out as like frivolous. But in Florida, it's like, no, we encourage it. Yeah. No, and and it's going to end up costing the taxpayers a ton of money, a ton and it's, of money. It, it's just not going to going to help out, especially if we get a lot of Sue happy parents. Mm -hmm. But the last one, and I, the one that you are most personally tied with, is it requires schools to tell parents when their child receives mental health services, including if they have a discussion of, about being LGBTQ. Yeah, these counselors are now going to be forced to out these children, even if they're not ready. And I, that just breaks my heart because I think I think back of when I was, you know, a wee little teen uh, experimenting with my sexuality. And um, I was open with a couple of, I wouldn't say counselors, but there was a teacher at school that I was pretty close with and talking to. And if that person would have outed me, oh, oh yeah. it would have been detrimental. 
What's going to be really interesting, though, is because of the vagueness of the law, it's set up in such a way to where, let's say you get a counselor that knows how detrimental, in a mental health perspective, it could be in outing someone who isn't ready, and they refuse to. Are they going to lose their job? Are they going to be, like, it, it's so vaguely written that you don't exactly know if you get a moral counselor, how, like that teacher you have. Well, whatever talk, like whatever happened to, like, confidentiality like I know counselors aren't necessarily doctors but there should be like when you talk to a therapist or you talk to a psychiatrist you know it should be the same as when you're talking to a school counselor is like if it's school, about something like that well if it's about your mental health yeah school those is different. if you're not gonna yeah. if, unless you're planning on hurting yourself or somebody else there should be that trust that confidentiality yeah. as if if I'm gonna talk to this person about something that's really bothering me or something that is harming my mental health like they should be able to feel safe but they're taking that safe space away from these children see and for that we i mean i don't know the entire history of it but i know at least until since columbine that's been different because schools are on a different playing field than everyone else i agree with you i think that there should be that level of conscious well, confidentiality yeah, like, but i think like like i say like if you're planning on hurting yourself or somebody else then yeah of course say something of course but if it's just like hey, I think I'm gay, but I think my parents will kick me out. Yeah. If they find out, then that counselor's like, well, I am now legally <laughs> required to tell your parents this, so good luck on the street. And, and have a good day. So ha Yeah, sorry, I'm getting all worked up about this because it breaks my heart, it really does. Like, these children need a safe space. Well, and, and the thing that's so crazy about it, and this is where the article comes into play, is one of the things that you learn um, is that if you really break it down and and I want to look at the trans issue community because I want to stay in the LGBTQ but I want to focus a little bit on the trans community and some of the things that they're dealing with in some of the states that they live in. Um, what, you know, there have been laws that have been coming out uh, that have been trying to stop it but the thing that's always funny to me or not funny haha but funny sickening is that if you really break it down the argument that is being used by the GOP when it comes to handling COVID and using experimental, you know, drugs like ivermectin, it's the exact same with the trans community. So let, let me ask you a question. Okay. All right, you ready? Here I'm we ready. Go. You are a parent who is worried about the health and well-being of your 13-year-old child and decides to take them to your family physician for answers. Okay. This is the same physician that delivered the child, so they understand the complete history of the patient better than almost anyone. Fair. After a complete rundown, the doctor makes a recommendation for what they deem the quote-unquote proper course. And then finally, the doctor does make it known that no matter what may have been said in the headlines, this suggested remedy is going to be what's best for the patient in terms of overall benefit and is being done in the best interest of the patient. All right. Keeping all that in mind, Am I talking about recommending a prescription for ivermectin in the face of a local COVID outbreak? Or am I talking about the beginnings uh, of the hormone blockers and other first steps of a transition? Wow, like those, it, it honestly could be either one. Yeah. It could be either way. Because the thing is, is if you think about it, everybody that supports, in the, in the GOP that supports ivermectin and those kind of experimental drugs, they always say, talk to your doctor. Well, they also say my body, my choice, but then are extraordinarily pro-life. Yeah, and that's another topic. For I know, another that's a topic yeah. <laughs> for a different day, but just another another hypocrisy there. But yeah, it, it, it basically, if you look at the recommendation of using a, 
an experimental drug with that of a teenager starting hormone blockers. It's all about your doctor knows you best, they know the patient for the entire duration of their life, and they know the best course of action as far as any medical treatments are concerned. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same. The, yeah, there's really no difference. There's no difference at all. I know, and one thing that the, the GOP and conservatives are gonna say is, but COVID is deadly and has killed millions worldwide. But the thing they don't understand is a survey last year by the Trevor Project, um, which is an LGBTQ youth suicide prevention and crisis intervention organization, found that 42% of the nearly 35,000 LGBTQ youths who were surveyed seriously considered suicide within the previous year. And more than half of transgender and non-binary youths who were surveyed seriously considered suicide had also found. With suicide numbers increasing with the younger generation rapidly over the last decade or so, it actually is having deadly consequences. So to say that COVID is deadly, and so that decision has to be made by the doctor, but this is different because one is deadly and one isn't, that's just a lie. So it's, it's and it, it's alienation, it's, it, these laws, these ideologies and everything are just going to push the LGBTQ community away from wanting to support them and it's the thing that really sickens me is that the GOP and the LGBTQ community also share in similarity that they just want to be left alone you know you hear those like live and let live yeah you hear those libertarians like Rand Paul come out and say we want the government out you hear everyone Trump and the rallying cry Ronald Reagan said the nine worst scariest words in the American dictionary or in the in the English language is I'm here from the government and I'm here to help like, it's, there are those who think that the government just needs to be the lives, out of the lives of everyone. Well, the LGBTQ community, they want the government out of their lives. They want to be treated as equals, and they want to be left alone. Well, because, like, the, the argument that a lot, of, um, a lot of conservatives say is, like, if there's, like, a, a gay couple in, in any form of media, mm -hmm. oh, you're shoving it down our throats. Yeah. But it's like, okay, how many gay kids watch all this straight media... Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't turn them back straight. So, I mean, like, <laughs> it's it's like, okay, if watching straight media can't turn your gay kid straight, then why does watching straight media turn your gay or your straight kid gay? Yeah. Like, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. But I, I can tell you this, that um, the thing is, is both parties want to be left alone. They share that in common. And maybe it's time for the conservatives to actually start treating others as they want to be treated you know the golden rule the golden rule that is the one thing for my religious upbringing i will say that has stuck with me there was a song about the golden rule that we had to oh, sing no. and it has stuck with me and i try to always you know it was doing to others as you would have others yeah. do <laughs> and so yeah that's always stuck with me so they, i will i will give that to my mormon upbringing i despise everything else but thank you for teaching me the golden rule <laughs> maybe they should actually you know listen to the lyrics of the song and, and oh they don't practice that they preach. If parents are worried about what their kids are exposed to, what they sh really should be looking at is YouTube and YouTubers specifically. Oh, there's a lot of questionable stuff going on on YouTube that parents are oblivious to. It is true. And that's actually next week's topic. Next week, we're going to be looking at YouTubers like Trisha Paytas, uh, Eugenia Cooney, and essentially anyone that has millions of followers and has a sway in the lives of how they perceive information. It, there's going to be trigger warnings because it's going to be talking about adult content and grooming and just bad, bad stuff. But it is worth listening because it will give you a viewpoint as to what is being shown on this mass media corporation. <sighs> so thank you so much for joining us today on You Can't Handle the Truther. 
I'm Anton Sawyer. And I'm Nicole West. You can follow us on Twitter at IndieTruther, and be sure to check out IndieTruther.com if you want to read the article this episode was based on. Um, IndieTruther.com, and the article is Hypocrisy, How the GOP is Using Pro-Transgender Arguments to Combat Vaccines. And while you're there, make sure to be check out the Debunking PragerU courses in the section Debunking PragerU, because like myself, you may learn something or nothing. I've done both. See you next week. See you next week on You Can't Handle the Truther. <laughs>